So welcome to America This Week. I'm Matt Taibbi. I'm Walter Kern. And uh, for those of you who don't know, this is a podcast that recounts the big news of the week in the United States especially. Um, it has a companion written piece at taibbi.substack.com that's also called America This Week. So if you want to look at the full written account of all the different things that happen in the U.S., uh, and abroad. We, we have a no notations for international notes as well. Uh, you can go find that material there. But in this show, uh, Walter Kern and I discuss usually just a couple of the big, uh, big broad stroke stories of the week and kind of think about it in terms of what, what are, what's the hidden meaning uh, or what's the angle that maybe they're not discussing uh, in the news this week. And I mean, this this week was almost comical, I think, because we had this enormous uh, world shaking event, these explosions that rocked the Nord Stream pipeline. And it's like the whole world is pretending they don't know what happened there. Right. I mean, am, am I missing something? Well, it did happen underwater, Matt, and <laughs> everything that happens underwater is an official mystery, I guess. But. Um, no one had to be a chess player to figure out to whose advantage these uh, explosions and the disruption of the pipeline, apparently going forward. I mean, it, it, it's not as though easy repairs are in the, in the works. So, uh, you know, uh, that thing's not going to work anymore for a while, at least. And uh, it's unclear to me what the implications for the delivery of gas are. One of them was turned off. One of them was workable, but it seems that Germany is now uh, sort of at the mercy of the United States for for gas deliveries, or more than it was, or or to other countries at least, other pipelines. Um, seems that Russia has lost perhaps its greatest bargaining chip, which was to turn on and off the gas supply to Western Europe, and uh, the U.S. is sort of acting like the Cheshire cat a little bit, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're not taking responsibility. We're in fact blaming Russia. I've seen no evidence uh, that, that would suggest it was Russia. Um, of course, there's no evidence that it was the United States except the geopolitical advantage that it would confer. Well, there are a few things. Um, I mean, there, there, was the, there was the Polish foreign minister Radek Sikorsky, who tweeted out right after it happened, "Thank you, USA." Um, and right, right. That now that 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 was evidence, and 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 Biden predicting that the Nord Stream pipeline would be would be taken out uh, if 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 Russia invaded Ukraine. I guess can be construed as evidence, if, or you know, um, there were other comments that the United States made. Uh, we should just listen to Biden's comments because they're so telling um, in yeah. hindsight. Uh, so here we go. If Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the, uh, the, the border of Ukraine again, then uh, there, will be, uh, we, there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2. We, we will bring an end to it. But but how, will you, how will you do that? Exactly, since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control. We will uh, 
I promise you we'll be able to do it. That was pretty good stuff, comedy-wise, right? Like, If he'd done it in the voice of The Godfather, it would have been slightly more transparent. But uh, as it is, I'd, I'd say it's almost definitive. Um, <laughs> That's really funny. We leave a horse head in the Baltic Sea, right? We just about have. Right. Uh, it, it, is it still boiling methane into the atmosphere, or has that stopped? Yeah, yeah. So we, we we now have these three gigantic boiling patches patches of boiling methane. Um, one of them a, a kilometer across, uh, which is spewing carbon dioxide into the atmosphere at, at a rate, I guess, equivalent to the to the production of greenhouse gases of a small European country. Um, so we, you know we we've added to the climate change problem and uh, i'm assuming that they've killed almost every kind of marine life in the area for uh for quite some time so this is like the exxon disaster times a, a billion or whatever it is uh i mean imagine being germany in this situation right so first of all we invade iraq which in turn causes isis to pour into syria which in turn causes a refugee crisis which uh you know has has led to no matter how you want to view the problem, it's 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 led to a, a major upheaval in German society. Now they have galloping inflation because of uh, price increases that they they can't do anything to control, right? So the United States can fix uh, inflation by clamping down on the money supply, but if energy prices are going up fifty percent every month, which is what's happening to Germany you know they they can't really stop that so they have an, an economic crisis a socio-political crisis and their north coast is building methane uh and it's all our fault right i mean they 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 must be thrilled with us this is the vietnam war philosophy that you know you have to destroy the planet to save the planet um <laughs> I'm really aghast. I mean, I don't think any news for, you know, a, a while now, at least since the peak of COVID, has really genuinely disturbed me uh, to this level. Uh, like you say, I mean, Germany's in the crosshairs, but we all are, because now infrastructure destruction, you know, there are a lot of pipelines in the world. There are a lot of undersea cables. There are a lot of um, vital pieces of uh, a global infrastructure that keep things functioning. And it would seem that they are now targets. They're, um, uh, you know, I, I don't know what Russia's capabilities to respond in kind might be if this is us, um, but I don't want to find out. Well, well who's going to rule out some kind of ghastly cyber attack or, uh, you know, something uh, involving the financial services system, which is already under strain um or frankly a nuclear situation right i mean i i think the nuclear security um uh, arrangement is probably tenser right now than it's been at any time since the early 60s not that i i'm old enough to remember that but it's certainly worse than any any time in our lifetime the you know we've if the Russians are construing this as an attack, and they certainly are, if you read the Russian press, they're wigging out about this, right? 
Uh, yeah. And, uh, and there's somebody in the Russian military, which there clearly is, by the way, who's as crazy as whoever just bombed this pipeline, then, you know, what's to stop this from escalating? Uh, not a whole lot, I don't think, right? Well, I'm reading this morning that Ukraine has made an emergency application for full membership in NATO or, or, or is making one presently. Um, if, as I read it, NATO can't accept the application of a country that is actively at war, but all norms seem out the window, so who knows? The idea that we would be facing one month before an, you know, a vital American election, uh, the escalation of a proxy war that could go nuclear, the idea that we are at the same time having a financial meltdown in, you know, uh, not quite 2008 level, but, but, but similar in some ways, because we've got in, yeah, we've got inflation, which we didn't have then. Um, and, uh, that all this is going on while America tick-tocks its way toward the precipice is shocking to me. I mean, this was the doomsday scenario for the Trump administration that, uh, you know, remember, remember the stock market crashed right as he was elected. And, you know, Paul Krugman and others predicted it would never recover. Well, now we've got a, a stock market, a housing market, uh, interest rate. Um, you know, crisis, at least for those who want to take out loans, um, and a looming war with Russia. I mean, that's, there's just no other way to put it at this point. If we are involved in this pipeline, then we, uh, we are at war with Russia. Right. And the, the argument, which I actually agreed with when I voted very reluctantly for Hillary Clinton, uh, the first time in 2016, the argument was that responsible stewardship of the machinery of the American empire was more important, um, you know, that any kind of message that you could send uh, through, you know, the election of somebody like Donald Trump. I never for a minute thought about voting for Trump, but I, I did think about not voting, which is what I ended up doing the next time around. Mm -hmm. uh, and the the argument always was well if you put a grown up in the white house or somebody who knows how this all works then at least we can involve you know we can avoid the big problems like nuclear catastrophe uh avoidable environmental messes uh you know there there'll be somebody who'll know what to do if and when the markets collapse um so you know, it's it's difficult to see what the argument is going to be now that we have all these things going on um, simultaneously. In a, in a way, the, the, they've essentially made the argument that now that we're in this thing, which is very similar to what the argument Bush made in, in the early 2000s, we started this crazy war, but you need to keep voting for us because we're the only people who know how to, how to do this war. Um, and that's become the argument of kind of the neoliberal consensus. Well, I, I'm on the fuck that side of that <laughs> argument. Um, these are the same people who gave us the Iraq war, you know, the Syrian refugee crisis, um, the terrible and 
absolutely bungled withdrawal from Afghanistan, Libya, um, yeah. Libya the, you know, the destruction of the state of Liz Libya replaced by nothing but some gangs. Uh, I'd say that their record for the sort of uh, prudent stewardship of the international machine and the American empire is about zero for 10. And uh, um, then we throw in COVID. So I'm not sure that these people are very good at anything except creating chaos and then arguing that they need to be the ones to lead us out of it. Um, you know, that, that's like my 10-year-old smashing up his bedroom and saying he's the only one capable of cleaning it up. Well, that's partly true, but uh, we have now incentivized chaos if we allow this. In other words, if we fall for the argument that the world is such a mess that the people who made it a mess must be kept in power, then are they not incentivized to keep making it more and more of one? Right, right. And yeah, the, the, they've started all of these, these messes. And this, again, this, this was what we were told was not going to happen, right? Remember the, the big argument um, against Trump? And, and it was an argument that to me was compelling, was he's going to withdraw from the international order. He's kicking us out of the Kyoto Treaty. There, there are gonna be all these mechanisms that will no longer function because the United States is, is pulling out of systems of cooperation uh, where rational people can get together and behind the scenes make sure that you know, the whole edifice doesn't come crumbling down. Well, now you, you have these photos of German officials who, who can barely contain their sputtering rage and confusion at the same time. Uh, and we're in the middle of the situation in Ukraine where the Democratic Party made exactly the opposite uh, call, you know, very recently, even like, you know, in the, the waning years of the Obama administration, where they, they looked at this and they said, this is not worth the trouble that it's gonna cause us down the line you know, to, to step in and, uh, you know, oppose the annexation of Crimea or whatever, or whatever it was. And now they've made the, that other call, right? Um, and there's a big dose of crazy. It reminds me of those um, Thomas Friedman columns. Remember when he used to write those columns talking about how it's good to be a little bit crazy um, and unpredictable, like you should throw your steering wheel out uh, every now and then when you drive? Um, <laughs> because that way no one knows what your what your moves will be uh, well on wall on wall street in the world of you know uh big trading they call that randomizing you 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 it's sort of like the rock paper scissors uh strategy you you randomize your response as so as to make it unpredictable and unforeseeable and therefore you gain an advantage but if if our side is randomizing they're not doing a very good job because every month I can predict that things will get worse. And I'm right. Um, if they truly want to randomize, they might want to create an improvement every once in a while to put the uh, zigzag back in the graph. Um, and, but, uh, you know, on every metric of, you know, both sort of liberal economic uh, justice and uh, international peace, 
we seem to be going downhill. Um, we're educating our youth more poorly, as shown by test scores coming out in the post-COVID era, virtually at war in an almost unprecedented way. Um, it's not a cold war. It's not cold at all anymore. Um, and we are uh, seem to be in some kind of dive economically. I saw a business, I, I think it was Business Insider, but some article yesterday just flatly telling millennials they will never own a home. So get over it. <laughs> You know, get over it. Um, and um, I'm seeing more and more of those articles, you know, how the recession will make you happy, um, how lowering your expectations will lower your blood pressure as well. Um, and I'm looking at, you know, Jimmy Carter got, was gotten rid of to some extent in legend, but for having blamed America for suffering from a malaise. Right. Um, and I was alive and conscious during the Carter years, being a little older than you. And uh, despite the fact that we had gas lines and, uh, you know, much higher interest rates, uh, we did not have this level of international conflict, uh, you know, aside from the, uh, the Iranian uh, hostage crisis and the the revolution but even that was you know what was our response our response was to cancel the olympics yes yes afghanistan was perceived as a a russian intrusion that we dis you know disagreed with and we're going to protest through sort of largely symbolic channels while we secretly mounted a guerrilla resistance against them um also you know the 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 best way to handle the annexation an annexation of uh, Afghanistan historically, you know, for anybody who's ever ever read the great game is just to let it happen because the ending is always the same. The invaders always end up leaving and there's always a big line of heads on sticks, um, you know, where they're retreating uh, in the Khyber Pass or whatever it is and being driven out uh, by guerrillas, which is what happened to them. It's what happened to us. Uh, and it was a smart move at the time to not intervene directly you know for the international order and and you know for our psyche and the, and the ukraine thing it's a story i've found almost impossible to follow through the mainstream news since it since it began um you know if if you go back you'll remember that putin was almost dying he was so sick at the beginning supposedly that we really didn't have to worry about it he'd gone mad he, he, he was suffering from some ailment. Um, we're, still being, we're, we're still being given versions of Putin is on his last legs. Um, and, you know, a couple weeks ago, they were acting as though Ukraine had practically won the war. Um, so they practically won the war. They'd broken through the Russian lines. Russia was going to have to accept very meager gains, if any, and was on the run. But now Ukraine has to apply to NATO. Um, you know, it, it, in other words, I can't not only decide who's winning in this thing, I don't even know what victory is defined as anymore. Uh, today, Zelensky said he will not be negotiating with Russia as long as Putin is head of it. So we keep getting this. Uh, notion that, that the war must end with Putin's removal, that somehow that is 
uh, the metric by which success will be judged in the West. That's but interesting because he was saying something different not that long ago, right? He Zelensky? Was, he was asking, Zelensky, yeah. He was, he was asking the West for help in negotiating with Putin. Um, but I guess he's changed his tune. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, in a couple of months, I'm going to be uh, doing uh, a big debate in Canada. There's these things mm -hmm. called the monk debates, where the proposition is, um, be it resolved, the mainstream media is no longer um, trustworthy. And I have right. to argue the point that it isn't anymore. Uh, and I think the Ukraine war um, has been kind of an Alamo for the Western press. I, th I think it's become difficult even for people in the business to figure out what's going on. I don't, I don't trust any of the reports that come from there. Uh, and we're doing more tea leaf reading now than we've ever had to do, it seems to me. Well, I mean, it started with such, it started with such comic book propaganda, you know, um, you know, the Ukrainian fighter pilot who shot down so many Russian planes, you know, uh, all these wonderful acts of daring do that were supposed to inspire the, you know, the movie audience back here in, in the U.S. I don't know if that propaganda was even circulated within Ukraine. Um, uh, but but uh, I, I got, I've got to say that as someone, you know, as a journalist who follows the news closely and tries to keep in touch with his own sources when he has them, and I don't on this story, to be honest, um, uh, I, I have been baffled, and I and I have waited for resolution, and I have, uh, meanwhile, you know, looked behind me as an American and gone, how far can this go? Because Trump at this, you know, the other thing that happened last week was that Trump offered to mediate the conflict. I don't know if you saw that. I didn't even see that. Yeah, no. Trump Trump came out on Truth Social. <laughs> You know, Truth Social is a room you have to be in already uh, if you want to hear the news. Um, and uh, he came out on Truth Social to however many people are there and said, I will, uh, I, I, I will volunteer to mediate this conflict and this war. And he's been um, saying World War III over and over. Um, and uh, no, he's been using those words. Um, I don't know if owning Biden is worth World War Three, but um, uh, in any case, uh, I don't know where we stand. But after this pipeline thing, I, I expect that there will be a, a retribution. I expect there will be another, uh, you know, attack in kind. I have no idea what form it will take. I don't know what the Russians' cyber capabilities are. We're often told that they have the ability to sort of you know seriously affect the internet um or even or even the heating in in places like where you live Walter. remember that where when well, well said they were gonna they were going to freeze all the elderly people in the dakotas and yeah i mean i i mean i don't understand the world gas market very well but it sounds as though you know germany is going to have to be paying just about anything uh it, it can come up with to stay warm this winter it's a world market that should affect prices here i would think um uh 
you know, we may we we may see a premium for this. Uh, uh, you know, if this were an oil platform that had exploded, the, you know, in in the Gulf of Mexico, we would have daily updates on on how much uh, you know how much pollution uh, was being created. Um, right, were the the oil soaked bird on on the uh, on the coastline. That's like, remember, if you've ever been in a, in a newsroom where there's a photo editor who has to do a standalone, like, <laughs> at the end of the day, they're always looking for, like, one of three things. There's the rock-throwing Arab photo, right? <laughs> Which was, for years, the automatic fit on page three of any newspaper, if they had one. There's the doll um, in the middle of a, an urban fire scene. Right, <laughs> the abandoned doll, yeah, the abandoned doll, yeah, yeah, and then there's the oil-soaked herd in an environmental disaster, always guaranteed to get standalone attention. But we're not, we're not even following the economic, the ecological catastrophe side of this. Really, it doesn't doesn't seem to me. Um, and which suggests, which does suggest culpability to me, because um, you know I'm being very I'm being very uh, chaste and and modest in my attribution of possible culpability to the U.S. But if this were indeed Russia that is responsible, and if we had some way of showing that, would we not be playing up Russia's absolute disregard for planet Earth? Would this not be the greatest propaganda coup of all time to show that Russia is, uh, you know, pouring greenhouse gases at an unprecedented rate? thoughtlessly um, in, in, into our fragile planet's atmosphere. Um, I would think we'd have crews on this to show the, you know, the carelessness of Putin at all times. But, but we're, we're leaning back from even letting people appreciate this as an ecological disaster. Yeah, where, where, are the, um, where are the rotations of CNN and NBC and CBS reporters on the coastlines uh surrounding this disaster who would be you know who'd be looking for the the shots of the evolving catastrophe and taking helicopter trips and all that uh, we, we we saw the all of them arrayed for the hurricane ian this week i don't want to make light of a hurricane because it, it's turning out to be a particularly horrible one the death toll this morning was 21 um so and that it's only going to go up uh, it's looking like it might end up being the most expensive hurricane ever, but they had so many correspondents covering this thing. I mean, they had people in literally in softball helmets out there. There was, a, there's a guy, you know, they're always competing to try to get the most crazy shot of the craziest reporter who stands in the middle of the destruction. And they had a guy in the weather channel. I think his name is Joe Cantori who uh, managed to get himself hit by a flying tree. This week, so mm -hmm. that that would have gone into the museum once upon a time. Um, but so, but wh where are those crews in Denmark and Germany, right? Because no uh, normally, for something like the Exxon Valdez, you know, or Katrina, or you know, uh, what's the one I'm thinking of? The was that the Glomar? No, that was no. Uh, I'm thinking of something. That was the one that they were thinking of putting a nuclear bomb in the pipe to seal it. But where uh, horizon. God, how did I forget that? Yeah. So yeah, for 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 disasters like the Exxon Valdez or or Deepwater Horizon, 
they always send armies of correspondents out there. They they use all the toys, the helicopters, right? They buy the, the helicopters are like the mo the most profitable news gatherers um, in the world. Uh, they discovered in the eighties that th those shots, for some reason, um, do the best when when they put advertising next to it on TV. So. Uh, so where are they, right? Where are they with this story? And as you say, I think that points to, to culpability because if Russia actually did this, they would be magnifying the horror of it uh, at every turn. And you add, you add stuff like the, the ridiculously coy responses of people like Jake Sullivan, the national security director, who, you know, who said it was a deliberate act, but you know, didn't know who exactly. Um, Tony Blinken saying it, you know, this wouldn't it wouldn't benefit anybody. Um, NATO putting out a tweet that day uh, that was really incredible. Uh, that's it's like a picture of a ship and and a little inflatable raft, and they're saying that NATO exercises present opportunities to test new unmanned systems at sea, ensuring that allies can work together to counter current and future security challenges. Uh, I don't know. All of this feels a little bit like trolling almost or, to me. Well, I, I, think the, I think the military, the U.S. military must be so desperate to, for a show of competence and success in anything that it can barely, you know, stick with the usual denial protocol on this one. It, it, what it really wants to say is, look, we can still do stuff and we can do it underwater. And we can make good on our threats. And, uh, you know, um, isn't this kind of cool what we've done here? Um, it, but they, they may have to blink that while they say the opposite. Um, yeah. If you're hearing this message, you're listening to the free version of America This Week. To hear the rest of our conversation, please subscribe to TK News at taibi.substack.com.